Welcome to the Transforming Healthcare with Clear Arch Health podcast. Clear Arch Health is a leading provider of advanced remote patient monitoring technology and turnkey virtual healthcare solutions. In this episode, we are very fortunate to hear from Bill Paschkel, Senior Vice President of Growth and Strategic Accounts for Clear Arch Health and the current American Telemedicine Association's Remote Monitoring Special Interest Group co-chair. Listen in as we dig into three things you need to know now about remote healthcare technology and important changes in policy and coverage. Hello, and welcome to Transforming Healthcare with Clear Arch Health. I'm Debbie Fisher, Senior Director of Client Success and Transformation. Welcome. It is no secret that things are happening quite fast in the world of telehealth and remote patient monitoring. While we're still catching our breath and while it's early in the new year, this is a good time to assess where we've come, what's on the horizon, and what we need to do moving forward. To help us navigate through the weeds and make sense of the details, we are honored to have again Bill Pascal, the Vice President of Growth and Strategic Accounts for Clear Arch Health, an expert on these matters. Hi, Bill. Glad to have you here. Thank you, Debbie. I'm glad to be here, too. Awesome. Well, there's three key topics that we'd like to capture today. First point is really looking at legislative changes. So, Bill, if you can help us and do a quick review for our listeners on all that's been happening on the legislative front, the implications of telehealth and remote patient monitoring as it relates to such changes as the Ombuds um, 2023 and the declaration of the ending of the public health emergency um, sometime in May is what we we see. So if you can just give us a brief overview what this means for telehealth and telemonitoring as we look ahead. So yes, those are two very big developments, and we do expect to see the public health emergency for COVID officially end on May 11th of 2023. Now. If the omnibus bill hadn't been passed, that would have caused what a lot of people have been talking about in the last year, the telehealth cliff, which means all of the telehealth waivers that were put in place early in COVID would expire uh, and really put a detriment in the way that people have been provided care uh, over the last couple of years. However, President Biden did sign the omnibus bill on December 23rd, 2022, which is the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023, which actually extends all of those Medicare waivers and flexibilities until December 31st, 2024. So two more years. So it extended uh, a lot of the policies or flexibilities and it extended a safe a temporary safety net harbor for high deductible health plans uh, to be able to utilize telehealth and remote patient monitoring services before the deductible is met. So that's a big thing for the population that has a high deductible health plan. But the other things that the signing of the omnibus bill does, no matter what happened with the public health emergency uh, and its extension or its ending, uh, was it uh, waived the geographic, it continues until December 31st, 2024, to waive the geographic restrictions and originating site requirements. So that means telehealth can be provided from the home in any geographic location in the U.S. So that will stay till December 31st, 
2024. It expands the, the expanded use of practitioners who can furnish telehealth services will remain expanded to any provider who's eligible to build Medicare for those professional services um, in their office can now um, is eligible to provide those for telehealth still. Qualified health centers and rural health centers can provide telehealth services. So before COVID, they could not, but now those capabilities are, are extended. And it delays the in-person visit requirements prior to telehealth mental services or prior to remote patient monitoring or other services, which had um, that requirement that the patient is seen on, in person by the physician or provider before those services start. Now that initiating visit can still be done telehealth through December 31st, 2024. And it allows a telehealth visit for hospice eligibility of care uh, to extend till 2024. Well, thank you so much for a great summary and a wrap up. Um, now, just kind of thinking about our second point that we really wanted to make sure we captured in this um, conference as well. Um, we understand that ATA 2023, which is the American Telemedicine Association Conference and Expo, is happening this March, not too far from now, um, in San Antonio, Texas. Um, Clear Arch will be there, and we hear that you're going to moderate a deep dive session at ATA on changing on the changing landscape of healthcare delivery. Can you tell us a little bit more about what to expect um, from your session? Yes. Yeah, so thanks, Debbie. So yes, that's going to be happening in San Antonio, March 4th through the 6th. I live in Austin, so it's just a little drive south for me. But Clear Arch is doing a lot um, here in conjunction with that American Telemedicine Association conference. As you mentioned, on Saturday afternoon, March 4th, I'm moderating a session in the RPM Deep Dive there are deep dive sessions on several different aspects of telemedicine. RPM is um, is one of those. And um, this is actually a pre-conference session uh, that anybody who's going to the conference can join. Uh, it's going to be pretty well attended. And there will be not only me, but other experts in remote patient monitoring, some on the policy side and some on the um provider side will be participating in that. So that should be a lot of fun. Then Sunday morning, there's what they call a SIG breakfast or special interest group uh, breakfast for the special interest groups within American Telemedicine Association. There's about 12 or 14 different groups. Remote monitoring is one of the larger groups. And as chair, I'm serving as chair of the remote monitoring special interest group. So I'll be a hosting a discussion there. That's Sunday morning starting at 7.15. During the conference, there's also um, a special interest group or SIG hub. And during certain hours of the conference, I will be there for discussions from anybody who's interested more in remote patient monitoring or joining ATA or knowing more about what we do in the special interest groups where we've come up with um, definitions for remote monitoring, remote physiologic monitoring, remote therapeutic monitoring. For example, um, we've put together some clinical use cases for examples. We've done a history of remote patient monitoring and other things. And it's a great uh, place to meet and have discussions with your peers on pertinent um, topics for remote monitoring. Also, um, Clear Arch has a booth there um, at 
exhibiting at American Telemedicine Association number uh, 1408. So you can come see me and other Clear Arch members that are at the booth. Uh, so um, it should be a fantastic conference. And if uh, you would like to attend, uh, please come. If you want to attend and um, the registration fee is a problem, we do have a discount that we can give to you uh, for to help you with the registration fee. So hope to see you there in San Antonio at the American Telemedicine Association, March 4th through the 6th. And then there's one other thing that I wanted to mention is um, in the uh, final rule physician fee schedule for 2023, there was a new code for remote therapeutic monitoring. And in that code, it's a device code for cognitive behavioral health. And it gives the Medicare administrative contractor, who there are multiple uh, Medicare Part B Medicare administrative contractors across the U.S. They serve regionally, but it gives them some discretion on what to pay for that code. Uh, the other similar codes pay about $45, so it should be close to that. But on February 28th of this year, there is a multi-jurisdictional remote patient monitor, remote physiologic monitoring, remote therapeutic monitoring for non-implantable devices, a contractor advisory committee meeting put on by one of the Medicare administrative contractors. And anyone can listen in as an observer. There will be several um, subject matter experts who will um, be part of the discussion along with the Medicare administrative contractors in looking at what devices are appropriate for billing under the device codes for remote RPM and RTM for those services and what we might expect if there's going to be any rate change for that. I don't think they're going to talk about the 16 days of automated data that's a requirement for the 99454, for example, but that may come up in the discussion also. However, any changes that they make will not take effect until at least January 1st of 2024. So it'll be informative um, and give you an idea of what may happen next year to attend that. Okay. Well, thank you for that information. And it sounds like the um, ATA conference is really a great opportunity for folks who may be just starting an RPM, would you say? Sure. Any program that's got an interest in beginning a remote monitoring program or someone looking to expand clinical use cases or someone who's been doing remote monitoring for chronic patients and is now looking to extend that to post-acute care patients. So uh, there's a, and there's a lot of, there'll be, we will be there along with other companies, you know, in the same space. You'll be able to see a lot of technology and learn a lot about how to do an RPM program well uh, by listening in on the sessions that are there. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, thank you for providing that. And I'm sure your audience will be delighted with all of the information and the wealth of knowledge you bring on this topic of telehealth, telemedicine, and remote patient monitoring. Well, just wanted to move on um, while we still have a little bit of time, wanted to talk about our last point, um, which is kind of an interesting point. Um, 
a subject that I think is kind of getting a little bit of steam and a lot of attention right now. And that's the evolution of what has come to be known as the aims of healthcare. Once we called it the triple aim of healthcare, um, which we used to talk about, but now we're starting to hear in the industry folks calling it the quadruple aim of, of healthcare. So, Bill, can you provide us with a little bit of an overview of how this quadruple aim of healthcare um, impacts telehealth? telemonitoring, remote patient monitoring, and what should we really know about this going forward? Yeah, so thanks, Debbie. It's just interesting to see how the overall aim of healthcare is evolving um, with societal issues. So the triple aim started in about uh, 2007 with the goals of improving the patient experience, having better outcomes, and reducing costs. Certainly those are critical to any type of program uh, involving patient care. In 2014, uh, it was expanded to the quadruple aim to include clinician well-being. We're looking at reducing ways that we can reduce burnout among the clinical teams and give them more satisfaction in in the jobs that they're doing uh, that are so critical in providing good patient care. And then in 2021, Uh, with an additional emphasis making it the quintuple aim in health equity and realizing that there are inequities around uh, around the country and not all are um, imposed. Some are political and some are geographical located, but there are some things that are just unintended. And I'll say pulse oximetry for one thing, which tends to give in general with pulse oximeters, um, lower quality or um, not quite as accurate readings on darker skinned people. So just something that we've got to change some of the ways we're doing technology and making sure that we're providing the same level and quality and accuracy of care for everyone in the country. Yeah. And I can attest to that as a clinician, um, working on the floor, working in the ER and all the different facets. I'm really proud to, to see that we are moving and really taking a different look at our healthcare and having these um, goals that we want to see so that we do have equality across all spectrums. Yes. And so that's a place where uh, looking at social determinants of health mm-hmm. is really important. And how solutions like ours can assist with that is being able to customize questionnaires and assessments that really query the individual patients on their insecurities. Uh, So uh, do they feel safe? Do they feel secure? Um, Are they satisfied? Do they have food? Do they have heat in their home? All of these things can really be asked in a more automated way to get faster, better information um, across large patient bases. Yeah. And all of those things really impact the health and well-being of patients. So it's so good to see that we're as a society looking at all of those elements that impact the health and well-being of our of our population at large. Well, this has been fascinating and I thank you so much. Was there anything else Bill that you wanted to um, add? I just want to make sure you have um, another opportunity. Well, I would just say, you know, we talked about health equity there at the end, but hitting the 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 next aim which is provider satisfaction. What we find on that is with remote patient monitoring programs that there are really some elements 
that need to involve your clinical team. We find that there's higher satisfaction among that clinical team when the providers are involved in the design and development and workflow of a remote monitoring program, that there's the perception of high patient satisfaction. And I know that we see that across our customer base, um, even seeing a net promoter scores as high as the mid eighties um, in remote patient monitoring programs and patient satisfaction in that in the 80 percentiles, uh, where in many other programs, we don't even see that reach 50%. And that these programs are supported by opinion leaders or champions within the organization is important. That any provider that's managing patients is self-sufficient and that their solution is easy to use. A lot of that's training um, during the implementation phase, but also is dependability of the solution that's being used. And uh, to utilize remote monitoring solutions and platforms in order to provide better standardization of care, better documentation of care, and there's almost always a higher level of tech support available with these programs. Thank you so much. Well, we're out of time, but I want to just, again, thank you, Bill, for a great session and all your thoughts and updates on remote patient monitoring telemonitoring and all the changes that we can anticipate um, and how these are impacting our care and delivery. Um, We look forward to following ClearArch on these developments as they unfold and look forward to seeing you at ATA as well. Thank you, Debbie. Look forward to seeing you and everybody else at the American Telemedicine Association Conference in March. This concludes this episode of Transforming Healthcare with Clear Arch Health. To learn more about remote patient monitoring, please visit the Clear Arch Health website at cleararchhealth.com. Continue to tune in each month as we talk with healthcare experts and industry thought leaders about the latest developments in telehealth and remote patient monitoring, giving you all of the information you want and need to hear. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time.